Amen. Romans chapter number 4. All right. So just to give you an overview of the book of Romans, I said to you last time, Romans is divided into 16 chapters. Chapter number 1 to 8 speaks of the doctrine of the church. Chapter number 9 to 11 speaks of dispensations of Israel. Chapter 9, Israel in the past. Chapter 10, Israel in the present time. And 11, Israel in the future. And then chapter 12 to 16 speaks of the service of the believer. All right. Chapter number 1 to 3 is the definitive statement on sin. What sin is. Chapter 1 speaks on the pagan man. Chapter 2 speaks on the moral man. And chapter number 3 speaks on the religious man. So we ended chapter number 3 last time and saying that all men are without excuse. So if you have your Bibles quickly, turn with me your Bible to the book of Romans chapter number 3. I'll read from verse 21. Amen. How many of you love that moment in worship? How many of you really enjoy that moment in worship? Put your hands together for the man of God. What an awesome time in the presence of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> All right. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter number three, we're just going to close chapter number three in a few verses and go into chapter number four and five. Like I said to you the last time, this is not a verse by verse commentary. We're going to spend all the time in the world. This is what you call phrasing in theology. So phrasing will put all the context together and then we give an overview of what Paul or the writer speaks about. Remember when Paul writes to the church, it was actually an epistle. It was a document because Paul at the time was still in Crenshia in the part of the eastern part of Corinth. Corinth. And Paul had sent this letter through Phoebe. You find that in chapter number 16 when Paul gives admonishment to all the guys who were there. So chapter number 3, verse number 21, the Bible says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Somebody said revealed. The Bible says, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, what, when was the time in the Bible that the law and the prophets witnessed this glory of the Lord? By the way, let's say this. The grace of God is not a thing. The grace of God is a person. Jesus is both the grace and the glory of God. And the Bible says, uh, you, you see that in, in Matthew 17, when Jesus transfigured. The Bible says, but Elijah and who? Elijah and? which represents the law and the prophets. Actually, let's look at verse number 23. The Bible says, Mama change, go to Verse 23. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Somebody say, all have sinned. What Paul is saying, the moral man has sinned, the religious man has sinned, and the pagan man. Every single person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So every man is without excuse. Paul says in verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that we had previously committed. Now verse 25, 26 says, to demonstrate that the present time, the present time is righteousness that he might just, it might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Chapter number four, let's be quick with this. Chapter number four, I'm drawing my nose, sorry guys. If you're in chapter number four, say I'm there. Chapter number four, I'll read slowly. You follow me to get the context. What shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? The reason why Paul brought Abraham, because Abraham is, the mo or was, is still the most venerated Jew. They respect Abraham so much that they almost deify Abraham as a god. Everything that a Jewish man would do or the Jewish mind would do would always go back in reference to Abraham. Why? Abraham was seen almost as immaculate. Abraham was like a god to the Jew. So Abraham would bring two sorry, Paul would bring two people, their greatest king and their greatest leader. First and foremost, the Bible says, what shall we say to Abraham our father? The point Paul is making here, our father, Paul puts himself in this condition. Now, if Paul says Abraham, our father, has found to the flesh, Paul was speaking about the ethnic Jewish people. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. What Paul is saying to them, that Abraham's justification is not by works. Abraham's justification is by faith. Somebody say faith. What is justification? Now, justification doesn't mean 
made righteous. Justification means to be declared. Somebody said declared. Justification is a legal term. It doesn't make you righteous. He declares you righteous. What it means is that when you are declared righteous, someone else's righteousness was put in your account. A lot of times they call it alien, right, alien righteousness. Can I have three people here, please? Three people, come up. I'm going to give you money. I'm going to give you money. Three people. Okay. I'm going to three. You're not here for the money. Okay, can go back. Can go back. Go back. Someone that needs the money, come. No, no, you're not here for the money. Three of you, three men. Okay. I've got 20 pounds here. Have it. How much do you want? How much do you want? How much do you want? This is a criminal. Is it 200 pounds? You want the money? Do you want the money? <laughs> Go and sit down. I've given you the money. You, you, you want a demonstration too? Come then. Who, 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 who needs to go back? Someone needs to go back. Have you taken the money already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come. Come here. Come here. Can I have a, like a, bring your jacket. Is that your jacket? Come. No, you're one. You're my guest. Okay, I like that one. Bring that one. Thank you. All right. Let's do an act and I'll be I'll let them go back. All right. So, this is God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Come here. This is man. All right? Man's relationship with God's relationship is broken. This guy has no access to his father. Man and God have no relationship. You come, Jesus. All right. But hold this thing. This is your cover, your jacket. All right? Now, that's what it is. This guy and this guy are not in good relationship. Right? They are black, 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 black. Right? They're in black. They represent their father and the son are the same. One. This guy do not have access to that guy. In order for that guy to have access to the father, there has to be a mediator. Somebody say mediator. And what a mediator does is that he brings, this is his righteousness. You leave now. You come close now. So he puts his gun on this other one. Now, Cash, the reason why this guy and this guy were not close was because of sin. Now, because of this jacket, this God no longer sees this man. This God sees this jacket. This jacket is called grace. But before this jacket is put on by this man, that one has to die. Therefore, grace is God's riches at the expense of his son. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. So in order for this God to be close to his son, there has to be what? As a, 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 a right, his righteousness. Now, this is not his righteousness. Let me make it very clear. The highest level of your righteousness that can stand before God is called the filthy rag. Filthy rag is the highest level of your righteousness. When this guy stands before God, his highest level of keeping the law is called filthy rags. So now he has to put on this thing so that God doesn't see this sinful man anymore. He sees what was done for him on the cross. But what happened to this guy? This guy now is in heaven as a man praying for this guy. So his full-time role at the moment is an intercessor praying for this guy because this guy is covered. So that when the accuser tries to accuse this guy, this guy is covered. Amen. This is not Sam's righteousness. This is our righteousness that has been put in Sam's account. Amen. I will explain this now. Come take your jacket. All right. 
Bible says, for if Abraham was justified by works, what does it mean to walk? Following the law. The Bible says, he has something to boast. When you go to work, I don't know if you work nine to five. If you work nine to five, let me see your hands up. Okay. If you work, let me see your hands up. You make things hard for us. If you work and earn an income, let me see your hands up. Let me see your hands up for real. There's something wrong with our, our giving then. If these hands work, I will get anyway. Let's do that for another day. Lift your hands again, everyone. If you work, if, if you earn an income. When you get an income at the end of the month, do you say thank you to your boss? Why should you say thank you to your boss? You don't have to say thank you because you've deserved, you've earned it. You only say thank you when you don't work for it. So income is your reward after your work. You don't have to thank your boss for working. You don't have to thank your boss for giving you an income. You earned it. Somebody say, I earned it. The Bible says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast. He would have said, I earned it because I worked for it. But the Bible says, but not before God, because he knows that you cannot be justified by works. So Abraham could have been saying, you know what? I can boast that my righteousness has given me this whatever. But he can't do that. The next verse quickly, let's go. The Bible says in verse number three, for what does the scripture say? Abraham, what? Believed God and it was accounted to him for? At what point in the Bible did Abraham believe God? In Genesis chapter number 15, the Bible says, Abraham said, I have no one to call my son. This one in my house, Eliezer, is that my son? And the Lord said to Abraham, no. I'm going to give you a son from your loins. Go outside and look at the stars of the heavens. And if you can number the stars, then that's your son. The Bible says, and Abraham believed God, and it was imputed. Somebody say imputed. Now, the word imputed is a mathematical term. The word is called Logosomai, sorry for the Greek. The word logosomai means to credit into your account. So what happened in scripture, because Abraham believed God, Abraham was declared righteous. Amen, church? Abraham did not repent. All he did was believe. The word believe, the word pistis. From the word pistio, which means act of faith. He believed God. Bible says, for what is Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So Abraham's righteousness was not because he repented. Abraham's righteousness is because he believed. Are you following me, church? Abraham was account his righteousness was accounted for because he believed. Go to the next verse quickly. I want to be quick with this. Verse number four. Now, to him who walks. The wages are not counted as grace. Is that correct? If you get your income at the end of the month, it's not grace. You only tell your boss thank you when you get bonuses. Well, counted as debt. Verse number five. Let's go, keep going quickly. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the what? May I spend a few minutes here, guys? And let me make the church understand this. God doesn't justify the godly. Justification is not for the saints. Justification is for the one who is ungodly. Justification is not for the tongue-speaking believer. Justification is for the girl outside, the woman outside, who's still living in sin. Justification means you have been declared righteous. This declaration is not to the believer. This declaration is to the unbeliever. Actually, in the Bible, whenever you find the word justification or justify, the context is the unbeliever. Are you following me, church? I'm coming somewhere. But to him who does not work, like someone who is not under the law, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for what? So, my righteousness or the righteousness of God in my account is not a product of my work. All I needed to do was believe what was done on the cross and God's righteousness was put in my account. Somebody say, it's not my righteousness. It is the righteousness of God in my account. Verse number six, let's go. 
that the Bible says, just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes his righteousness apart from works. Verse number 7. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Verse number 8. We know this already. Verse number 9. Does the blessedness then come upon the circumcised? Now the word circumcised. What I want to share with you today, I pray. The word circumcised. Yeah. Is, is he a boy? Is he a boy? He's circumcised. Okay. <laughs> Circumci circumcision came to mean the Jew. But circumcision existed before the law. I'm coming somewhere. Circumcision in biblical time was actually for health reasons. Eighth day when a child is born, a male child is born, they are circumcised for health, biological reason. But that, that, that would later change to mean a covenant. The Bible says, thus the blessedness that come upon the circumcised only. The word circumcised means the Jews. Or upon the uncircumcised also. So Paul is asking them a question. Does this blessedness, this righteousness, does it come to the Jews only? Or even the non-Jews? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for what? Let me ask you. When Abraham was in chapter 15, when he was called righteous, was he a Jew? When Abraham paid tithe, was he a Jew? When Abraham was called from his father's house, was he a Jew? When was Abraham a Jew? But we say that the faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. That's number 10. Let's keep going quickly. The Bible says, how then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while he was circumcised, but while he was uncircumcised. So Abraham's imputation was not based on the law. Abraham was called righteous when he was still a Gentile. Are you following me, church? Abraham was a Gentile before circumcision. He was righteous before circumcision. Let's look at verse number 11. Let's keep going. The Bible says in 11, and he received the sign of what? Circumcision is a sign. But catch this. He received the sign of circumcision as pragizo, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had. Why still what? So circumcision is a sign of the righteousness of God in his account. Pull it again. Circumcision was a sign. It's a sign. Now the Jews that made it a tradition. It was a sign. It was a sign that Abraham had faith. Again. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham's righteousness had been imputed. Has nothing to do with it. The Lord came 430 years later. So circumcision, now even though the Jews had made themselves, we are, the we are of the circumcision. But circumcision was originally a sign that you have faith. The Bible says that he might be the father of who? You're not following me, church. Abraham received the sign of circumcision that he might become the father of who? The Bible never said that he might become the father of the Jews. So Abraham is a father to the Jews and the Gentile. The Gentile, those who believe, the Jews by natural, natural bloodline. So the believer who is born again is a spiritual child of Abraham. So when we say that we are the children of Abraham, it's not by bloodline. It is by faith. That might be the father of those who, though they are uncircum. So how do I have to be a Jew to be a child of the son of Abraham? Because I am justified by faith, I am automatically a child of Abraham. And that, what, what that means is that I now benefit of the Abrahamic blessings. So I don't have to proselyte. I don't have to go to Jerusalem. I don't have to wear the talit and blow the chauffeur. Disturbing your neighbors. 
Does that make sense? I don't have to go back into Judaism to be the child of Abraham. I am justified because of that I have automatically relationship to Abraham. The Bible says that the righteousness might be imputed to them also. So we also, because we believe, the same righteousness that Abraham had, we also have. Are, are you following me, church? When God sees Abraham, he doesn't see Abraham greater than you. He sees his righteousness in Abraham. His righteousness in you. Are you following me, church? There was a thing called replacement theology. But I'm not going to talk about that today. Um, no time. That will be for Bible study. Uh, there are two groups called dispensationalism and replacement theology. One believe that Israel has replaced the church. One believe that the church and Israel are distinct. Okay? Again, that's another. Let's keep going. Keep going. The verse. The Bible says, for the promise. For the promise. Okay. Did you shift the scripture back? Okay, go back to the previous one before. 11. Right, go back to the next one now. 12. And the father of circumcision. So Abraham is both the father of the uncircumcised and the circumcised. You hear me? Abraham is the father of the circumcised by bloodline. But Abraham is the father of the uncircumcised by faith. Are you following me? There were, there were blessings. There were blessings that are meant for those in faith. And there were blessings that are meant for those by bloodline. One of the things the church tries to do, she tries to claim the blessings meant for those by bloodline. We must understand our remit, where we belong and where we are. It becomes replacement theology when the church begins to ascribe the blessings by bloodline to the church. The ecclesia is different from Israel. They have their different destinies, origin, and future. So once you understand your remit, the church will stop saying amen for things that belong to the Jewish nation. It's interesting how the church likes to say amen for the blessings of Israel, but we cast and bind the curses that comes with it. If we must get the blessings of Israel, we must also get the curses from Israel as well. So let's stop casting and binding one, and it's, 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 it's called secular reasoning. The Bible says, also the, of the second, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised? So whenever you find the word Abraham, it's always when he was uncircumcised. Keep going, verse number 13. Going, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or we see. Now, there is no place in the Bible that tells us Abraham this promise. We don't know what this promise is. That Abraham will be the heir of the world. There's no place in the Bible that tells you. However, speculation tells, tells you that this is called the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is split into three. Land, seed, blessing. That piece of real estate has the name of Israel on it. The church cannot allegorize it. That piece of real estate belongs to the nation of Israel. It's not the churches. Deuteronomy chapter number 30, you find the scripture there. From the Tigris to the Euphrates, it's, it's the land that belongs to Israel. Israel are the tenants of that property. But that is God's land and God has put the name of Israel on that piece of real estate. The seed. The Messiah will come from the throne of David. Let me ask you a question before I continue. Uh, uh, an angel came to Mary and said, Behold, you bring forth a child. And he will rule from the throne of his what? Somebody says father. He will rule from the throne of his father. David. When Jesus came the first time, there was no throne of David on the earth. It was the Romans who ruled. Are you hearing me, church? What, at what point would Jesus rule on that throne in his millennial coming? Therefore, there were promises that are yet unfulfilled that will be fulfilled in the millennium. The purpose of the millennium is to fulfill the covenant that was not fulfilled in the Old Testament. Basically, chronologically, the Old Testament existed before the new, but the new has been fulfilled. The old will be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom. Are you following me, church? It's too hard for you to understand now. So these promises made in scriptures are the promises made to Abraham, in the future millennium. The land, the seed, the blessing. 
Jeremiah 31, the new covenant. But the Bible says, um, see, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Keep going again, keep going quickly, quickly. For those who are of the law are heirs. Faith is made void and promise made of no effect. So basically, Abraham is saying that if these promises are given to those that are the, of the natural seed, then those of us that are our faith, what is the point? Now, before I even go further, chapter number four, what Paul is bringing, Paul is bringing two points. Number one, that Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. Amen. Say justified before circumcision. And let me tell you what it means. It means that all you needed to do to be justified is just believe what was done for you. How many of you believe Jesus died for you? If you don't believe Jesus died for you, we, did, we have a special class for you. It's, it's a more complex thing. Now, in chapter number five, I'm going to read quickly because I don't want to depend on the media. Let, let's look at verse number 13. But the promise that was that he, for the promise that he had that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who were of the law are heirs, faith is made void and promise of no effect, because the law brings about somebody to the wrath of God comes with faith. That's not true. That's not true, church. The wrath of God cannot come with faith. That's how we indoctrinate you in church and you say amen. The wrath of God comes with the law. You have escaped the wrath because you have been saved. Amen, church. So the wrath of God comes with the law. This is correct. Say comes to the law. That's the correct one. Not the previous one before. <laughs> anyway, let's keep reading. Now, the Bible says, I read verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Now, chapter number, chapter number four, Paul was giving to us that Abraham was justified by, by faith. He wasn't justified by the law. Abraham was called before the law. Abraham was justified before circumcision. And what Paul was proving to the Romans is that his justification has nothing to do with the law. He did not have to follow some set of rules to be saved. Amen, church. You don't have to follow some set of rules. You know this thing about... Five principles to follow to be saved. It's all rubbish. A man of God in his 60s, uh, 70s actually, was having a conference and finished his crusade and was packing down the speakers. And then one young man came and being sarcastic, I think, said to the old man, you preached on salvation. What must I do to be saved? And the preacher looked at him for about five seconds and said, Nothing. And the man wonder, what does that even mean? Nothing. There is nothing you can do to be saved. Because he did everything for you to be saved. It is not going to wearing mascara that keeps you. <laughs> I want to be saved, so I'm not going to wear any makeup. No. You, 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 see, trying to be saved when you are saved is called double jeopardy. He has already done it. You cannot be saved. You cannot be saved beyond what you are saved from. He has saved you trying to be saved. You trying to be, oh, I don't want to ruin my salvation. I, no, no. You're saved without your works. When you try to add to what God already done, it's got double jeopardy. What does it look like? You know, if a man gives you a, a piece of work, artwork, a nice painting, amazing painting, very expensive, and then you not bring your own brush and paint to start to add some stuff on it. It's insult. It's insult. That's what a lot of you are trying to do. It's already saved you. You are saved. And when did it save you? Before the foundations of the world. You see, you see, there is no bad you can do that can take you out of God's righteousness. Because God knew you would be bad before he saved you. Amen. So Abraham was saying to them, even your most venerated Abraham, sorry, Paul was saying to them, even your most, most venerated Abraham was saved without the law. Why do you think you can keep the law? Baptism doesn't save you. Circumcision doesn't save you. Keeping the Sabbath doesn't save you. 
Praying with a prayer shawl doesn't make your prayer more intercessory. Let me put my wallet down. Let me say it again. Praying with a prayer shawl doesn't make your prayer more prophetic. Speaking in tongues doesn't make you enter the next dimension. All these things you are doing has become law. Amen, church. So Paul was saying to them, what is the point? Your most holy man, where is Seftim? Come. I hear the Lord said, come. The Lord says, seek, ask for the nations. I don't know why, and I will give to you. I don't know what has been your private intercession. The Lord is taking me back to a few days in your prayer closet, and you cried. And the Lord says, your cries has reached the heavens. But Lord said, ask me for the nations. And I see a mission work, almost like India, coming soon to you. And I see an email coming to your inbox. It's probably going to come on uh, Thursday. It's going to come to partner with the work in India. The Lord says, you've sought for the nations. The Lord said, he has sat you down and walked on you. The Lord said, the days are upon you. Were they able to be open to you? You will see, you will know. For the apostolic mission, you've asked the Lord for. The Lord says, indeed, I will open the heavens for your sake. And the Lord said that those who doubted your call, God said, they will see you walk in this unprecedented level of grace. The Lord said, his eyes are not away from you. He hasn't forsaken you. The Lord said, this season has been a season of like, almost like a retreat. The Lord said, you'll be seeking his face for the next agenda. The Lord said, there is a nation waiting for you and what you have to offer. So I lay hands on you and I call the nations to open up that in the name of Jesus, everything, that everything the Lord has for you and the stirring in your spirit, the Lord says, you will see, you will know it is for you. All right, chapter number five, quickly. Chapter 5. Alright. So chapter number 4. Abraham is saying that your guy, sorry, Paul is saying that your guy, Abraham, was justified without works. How come you think that you can be justified with works? Your guy, Abraham, it didn't have to be circumcised or have to go through the law to be justified. What makes you think that you'll be justified with works? Say to your neighbor, what makes you think? That you can be justified by your works. No. Look at them and say, this. what makes you think you can be justified by being good? Say to them, what makes you think that you are justified by coming to church? So the only reason you are justified is because of what Jesus did for you. Say to your neighbor, you did nothing but only believed. I will read chapter number five, verse three, and I will leave it today. Or shall I keep it today? Chapter number five. Are you there? Now we've established that. Your good works doesn't save you. Amen? I am not justified because I do good things. I am justified to do good things. I am not justified because I like to give, I like to love. I like, no, those things don't justify me. But because I'm justified, I have to do that. You know, Paul says that we are justified by faith alone, right? Then James came and said, well, faith without work is dead. And a lot of theologians say, well, Paul and James said, if they said no. There are two types of justification, by the way, church. There is a justification to God and there's a justification before men. James' justification by works is a justification of works, which is a justification of your fruits. What Paul is saying that you are saved without your good works. What James is saying, not that you are saved, let us see the fruit. Your neighbor should be able to say you are saved. That's what James, James said. Now you are saved, where is your fruit? For faith without your work is dead. So the question is that if your colleagues still don't know that you are born again, that's a problem. If you have to Instagram one for work, one for church, you're in trouble. We know you. We know you. You know the Instagram one? The one that's for church? Work people, work people don't know that one. 
And the one for work, church people don't know that one. Two profiles. We know you. One, you post born again stuff. One, you know what you post. Chapter number five. So Paul now wants to make an argument. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Somebody say peace. Let me if you understand this peace. This peace doesn't mean what peace. This peace is different from what you think. Now that we are justified, the word peace is the word irene. E-I-R-E-N-E. The word irene is from the word arrow. And the word arrow means to join together. Amen. Amen. When Paul says, now that you are justified, you have peace with God. What Paul is saying, you are not joined with God. Are you following me, church? So no longer is there separation. So what justification does, Paul is saying, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have been joined together with God. Through who? Through who? So Jesus has become the glue that comes the Father and us. The word peace here again is not the same word we have peace as as kalezamaleo. Sorry for my Greek. Is the word irene. E-I-R-E-N-E. Which means to couple something disjointed. So what Paul is saying that before this time, you and God, you are disjointed. But now, you be joined together. Through who? Somebody say through Jesus. Say, I am reconciled with Jesus. But it's through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Somebody say we stand. Hold on. Say we stand. Let me make this very clear and you might, um, you might, um, it might shake you a bit. I'm going to end soon with this. Um, there are two schools of thoughts. They are the Armenians and the Calvinists. The Armenians and the Calvinists. Calvinist. The Calvinists believe that you should persevere. If you don't persevere till the end, you will lose your salvation. That's the Calvinists. That if you don't hold your salvation, you will lose it. Then Jacobus Amenus, the other guy, says that salvation can be lost. What Calvin said is that if you don't keep it, you will lose it. And that's the truth. I can't keep it. You can't keep your salvation. Because he never saved you. How can you keep what he never made? So why is the Calvinists believe in perseverance? I don't believe in perseverance. Trying to keep your salvation is what? So we don't believe in perseverance. We believe in what you call the overcomers. I don't have to live a certain way. What kind of a God do you serve that you are afraid you're going to fall? You are very careful. Oh, I'm, I'm going to fall. No. He is the one who found me. And because he found me, I cannot keep me. God is not butterfingers that you just slip off his hand. He formed you and found you before you even were born. So how do you think that you can persevere? Perseverance means that I'm trying to be good. Are you hearing me, church? So your salvation is not hinged on you. Those that my father has given me, I shall lose no one. If you can lose your salvation, God loses something even greater than that, his name. He loses his name. But see what the church has told you. They have taught you to preserve what you never end. They've taught you to preserve it. How do you preserve it when you never end it? It is a free gift of what? Salvation. It's a free gift of God. 
You cannot protect what you never earned. So what Paul is saying in chapter number 5, Paul is giving them the overview of salvation. I'm going to read verse number 2 again. So what Paul is saying, Paul is saying, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Somebody says stand. We have access in which we stand. The word stand in the original Greek here is the same word that says in Ephesians, have you done all to stand? It means that our salvation is sure. Amen. When do we say, well, those who endure to the end shall be saved? It's a misconception of tribulation. It is those believers in the time of tribulation who endure to the end without the mark that will be saved. It's a physical salvation. This is spiritual. When you wake up every morning and begin to check yourself if you've fallen from God, there's a problem not with your belief. There's a problem with your understanding. Let's read John 3 system together. One to go. Hold on, let's end there. For God so loved the church. Who did Jesus die for? The church. Calvinists call it limited atonement. The Calvinists believe that God died for the church only. No. Bible says that while you are yet sinners, he didn't die for you. To, he didn't, Jesus did not die for the church. He died for the world. Those who received him by the church. Are you following me, church? The, the Calvin believe there's a set number of people God has in his calendar. And don't, no, he did not die for the church. He died for, somebody said the world. Keep reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his only that hold on, hold on. Whosoever believed the word is into him should not perish. The word perish means the word to damn. Whosoever believed in God will never be damned. Because when Jesus imputes his righteousness on you, he doesn't take it back from you. And I want you to understand who you are, your identity in Christ. A lot of you, I keep, you keep coming back to the altar to get born again and again. You cannot be born again and again. Why? Because the blood was shed once and for all. You can repent again and again. But you cannot be saved again and again. So repentance is you, now that you are being saved. I, I just come into the front to take a microphone. You can see down there. I'm not looking at your face. I'll be trying to avoid you. You can sit down there. I know uh, one of them brought the microphone. You can, you can do your things. I'm not looking at you. In salvation, hear me. I'm anybody, sir. In salvation, church, hear me. You cannot be born again, again. The day you say, Lord, come into my heart, you are born again. The problem is not your salvation, the problem is your fruit. You are saved, but you are bound. You are born again, but you are not walking in the spirit. So each and every time you keep saying, I, I, I backslid. You have been backsliding, ladies and gentlemen. And the context of backsliding is not going back to the world. Now that you are born again, Paul says, what is the next step? What is it? It's to be sanctified. Two more verses, I'm done. Two more verses in chapter number five. I'll leave you. The Bible says in chapter number 5, verse number 6. For when we were still with our strength, when we were hopeless, in due time, somebody say due time. Say due time. Now, the word due time is the word kairos. Amen, church. Kairos is not chronos. Chronos is seven days a week, four weeks a month, 12 months a year. But Kairos is an appointed sign. The Bible says, for when we were without strength in due time, Christ died. The question, why did Jesus not come in the time of Abraham? Why did Jesus not come in our time now? Now, Why did Jesus not come in the time of, you know, Gideon? Because God had already appointed a time in his calendar that Christ would come. And this is called the due time. In the due time, Christ died for who? The church. Who did Christ die for? The church. Jesus came and died for the unbelievers. 
The Bible says he came and died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will die for one, yet perhaps a good man, someone who would even dare to die. Bible says for it is important. See, come, come, darling, come, come. No matter how good you are, and you've done no sin in your life, you've, I'm not praying for us. I don't know. I don't need an usher. Okay. No matter how good you are, it is almost impossible for someone to die for you. Maybe your husband. Even your husband, you need to pray. You know. Anyway, you know. It is almost impossible to die for someone who is good. But think about it. Jesus died for you that is not good. That's what Paul is saying. For scarcely for a righteous man would die for one. But perhaps a good man, someone would die, even dare to die. Look at verse number 8. Keep going. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners. Christ did not die when he got saved. Christ died when you are still a sinner. And because Christ has died for you in your sinful state, what he has done, he has imputed his righteousness in your account. So that right now when God sees you, ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't see my flaws any longer. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 gives us the predicament of sin. Chapter 4 and 5 gives us the solution. What is the solution? That Jesus Christ has to impute in your account his righteousness and then took your sin so that when you stand before God, the wrath of God cannot come against you because you have been somebody said declared righteous. So one of the ways to pray intercessory prayer, hear me, I'm ending with this, intercessory, hear me. One of the ways to pray intercessory prayer is to pray with the alien righteousness. Somebody say alien, alien. righteousness. So we come into the court of God with his righteousness, not ours. I'll say it again. So when we come to church to pray, we don't come to pray with our, our strength after fasting. Your fasting is like a filthy rag. So when you are praying, you come into the throne of God with his regalia and saying, God, I'm coming into this courtroom not in my own righteousness, but I've borrowed your righteousness. So therefore, war for me, fight for me, go against the devil for me. Why? Because I'm praying not of my righteousness. Are you hearing me, church? That is your identity in Christ. Rise up on your feet. That is your identity in Christ. All right. For the next two minutes before I leave this place today, The problem is how you see yourself. God sees you differently. You see yourself as, I'm a loser. I'm not qualified. I'm not done well. You see yourself not fit for the job. But God is saying to tell you, you qualify. Somebody say, I qualify. I qualify. No, 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 no. No, look at me. Say, I qualify. I qualify. What this means is that every ordinance that has been written against you, that says that you will not come into alignment with the prophetic blessing. You will not come into the alignment in your own strength. But because you qualify for the righteousness of God, you can stand before the devil and claim your blessings. Do you understand? So you want to pray just one prayer. It's a prayer of identity. Say in the name of Jesus, I know who I am. I know whose I am. I am the child of God. I am not sick in my body. Are you ready for this confession? You're going to confess this prayer not as Oscar, but as someone who has been clothed with Christ. And because you have been clothed with Christ, at the mention of your, the name of the Lord, every knee shall bow. Are you following me, church? Say, in the name of Jesus, I come before you. I am clothed before you. I put on the righteousness of Christ in the name of Jesus. Therefore, I decree Everything that doesn't work according to your will in the name of Jesus must obey your voice. I command everything in my body to respond to the blessings of imputation. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am righteous because Jesus is righteous. Say, therefore, I decree and I prophesy 
the righteousness of God. Look at your neighbor. Hold your neighbor left or right. You want to decree over them? Can we do it two by two? They say a pair. Look at that. Look at say to them. Say you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Because of your position, there is no sickness in your body. Because of your position, there is no disease in your body. Because you are righteous, the devil has no right over you. Because you are blessed of the Lord. Sicknesses has nothing on you. In the name of Jesus, as I hold your hands, I decree, you are not under the law. You are not under the curse of the law. So the curse of the law will not walk on you. In the name of Jesus, you are not bound by the curse of the law. In the name of Jesus, you have been set free because of the blood. So the blood of Jesus over you. The blood of Jesus over you. In the name of Jesus, say by the blood of Jesus, every sickness will fade away. In the name of Jesus, you are not sick in your body. The blood of Jesus is walking on your behalf. Walking for your future. I prophesy that the blessings that comes with the righteousness of God is speaking for you. I decree you are not cursed. Alright, the Lord says to praise one more time. The fifth row, one, two, three, four, five. Say, so I decree you are not cursed. Every word curse. Pray is very, very, very important. Hear me, church, I beg you. Once you understand that you are the righteousness of God, these curses will not stand against you. You will take your authority as a blood-washed believer. Say, I prophesy every word curse speaking against you in the name of Jesus. I terminate by the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus is against every word curse in the name of Jesus. Ah, so the blood of Jesus is against every word curse in the name of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus is against every word curse over your life in the name of Jesus. So Jesus, 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 Jesus. Finally. Finally.